Greetings, ladies and gentlemen. Today, I'm happy to say that we continue our journey with Jesus and we're about to take a spiritual stroll into the book of 2 Kings. So we begin with a new king, suffering a serious fall. Lack of firm footing was his folly and a lack of faith in God is hurt. With doom and gloom echoing around his room, he commands the captain and his company to capture Elijah. Yet fire falls from heaven and they fail to take the prophet prisoner. From a wicked king leaving in disgrace to a faithful messenger leaving in honour. Elijah doesn't see death but a chariot of fire as it swoops down and swings low, lifting him up to be with his Lord. But before Elijah leaves, both his robe and his roll are cast down to Elisha, whose hunger for God craved a double portion. But in life, not everyone's comfortable with change. The grizzled and grey-haired prophets can't let go of the past, while the ripe and rash youth yell about the future. They scoff and scorn, taunt and tease, Elisha's unhappy, God's displeased. The youth split their sides, they are cracking up, all until the prophet turns around with a serious look. They have mocked God and the man he sent, not realising that now was their time to repent. Suddenly, these short-sighted sceptics meet some converted carnivorous creatures whose tooth and claw turn their screams of laughter to just screams as the mother's bears munch on their wayward lunch. Next, we encounter empty vessels of a different kind and God provides a pot of oil that overflows. Though the widow's wealth has increased, sadness strikes and her beloved son dies from some serious sunstroke. Yet God moves in mysterious waves. And the widow's boy is brought back to life when the prophet of God gets up close and personal. If one thing is sure in this life, it's that people can surprise you. So Naaman the proud leper humbles himself, soaks seven times in a murky and muddy river and finds God. Shockingly, the servant of Elisha forsakes God and gallops greedily to his fate. But in truth, a distressing disaster lies in wait. From losing his sorry servant to finding a lost axe head, God's man is busy and he blinds an evading army, but he's blamed for his efforts. Famine strikes as the enemy surrounds, yet when all seems lost, four lepers leaping find salvation and with nothing to lose, spread the good news. Meanwhile, there's no good news for Jezebel as Jehu joins the story. He caught Hayab's son, who died as well, the noise attracting Jezebel. Her eyes made up, her hair just so, in queenly fashion ready for a slaughter below. Suddenly, her servants hear the urgent shout, the eunuchs grab and grip and forcefully throw her out. So below, the dogs devour and divine. But if they were to critique, her head was too hard to eat, and they didn't touch her hands and feet. I guess dismembered is the only way that Jezebel will be remembered. The killing spree continues as more false prophets are fooled and their temple turns into their tomb. Further blood is spilled and a baby becomes king, but like mother, like daughter, Jezebel's child tries to steal and seize the throne. But no one's bewitched by the offending offspring and they spring upon her and drag her outside to her downfall and death. It's all happening now and some home improvements are in order as the rundown temple is restored and repaired. But there's no repairing the rundown prophet of God as he has run his race, a cave his final resting place. 
But even in his rest, Elisha is disturbed by a dead man who is dropped down onto his bleached bones, but leaps up alive, revived by the power of his prophet's living God. Next we experience a cascade of kings who did much to displease. In despair and doubt, they left their almighty defender and deliverer out. No room for Jesus in their hearts and homes. Strange gods, spiritual shalliness and stiff necks surrounded them and all was far from well as warning after warning went unheeded. They refused to believe that a relationship with God was needed. But after the bad came the good and all the false pillars, poles and high places were removed. Only for a mortal man with a message of mockery to take their place. Bellowing, blasphemous, boasting, his sense of misleading male. Stating, sign a truce, your Lord God is not of any use. With fearsome foes all around, Hezekiah lays the lying letter down on the ground. God sees what is written and replies with a rumour. Quickly the enemy leaves the siege, thinking he will return victorious. Yet slayed by his own sons, his ending was inglorious. Following this and faced with his own end, King Hezekiah puts his house in order. But it seems wrong turns are easy to take. And being proud, he makes his mistake. Envious envoys are invited in. The foolish king submitted and showed them everything. Too late, they fought and feuded against their foreign master. Which, in fact, only made their total collapse come faster. Woefully, it's a war they wouldn't win, when the walls of Jerusalem were completely caved in. Sadly, in 2 Kings, most had deserted and forsaken, so at last Israel is conquered and captive taken. And with that, a bitter end of his book takes its leave, leaving us and the people of God in Babylon and banishment, sitting and weeping, hearts unplayed, regretting the decisions that they have made. That's all for this time. The next time we meet like this, we show a cruising into the book of Chronicles. But until then, Second Kings is a brilliant biblical book that makes the ear to tingle. From angry assassinations, calculating conspiracies, impressive intrigue and mischievous manipulation to bitter taunts, foul schemes, wicked designs and turbulent times. Truly, Second Kings packs many a moral punch and emotional wallop while exploring its living stories and eternal truths. All the while showing that the more you learn about people, the less you know. From cold and callous killers who think they can get away with murder to troublesome teams who think it's funny to mock and shock. All mixed in with women proud and men defiant, refusing to obey, knowing wrong they closed their hearts and did it anyway. Finally, Second King hammers home the point that the prophets of the people of his book may be dead and gone, but the word of God is living and still goes on. God is still with us in Jesus, the same yesterday, today and tomorrow, perfect and pure, tried and true. In Jesus we find forgiveness and freedom from every burden and blame, sin and shame. He heals the brokenhearted and sets the captive free. The only question is, are we willing to be free in Jesus? The answer? Well, I'll leave that up to you. <laughs>